How do you do, ladies and gentlemen? What's the real truth about Citizen Kane? It'll probably turn out to be a very simple thing. Hi there, everybody. Thanks for uh, coming back. We got you back for episode two. Didn't think it would happen, but here we are. So uh, I'm Parker. And I'm Max. And uh, as always, we are your hosts for Better Than Citizen Kane. And this time, Max has his little blurb. We've got the blurb this time. I do. So, Can't I mean, we, we I already heard it yet. I mean, we've already introduced ourselves at this point. Um, oh, well, okay. well, if that's part of it, you can still roll it in. I didn't know. You didn't tell me. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't tell you anything about it. Uh, no, next week, next week, next week, we'll start with the. But okay, this is okay. this is my pitch, Parker and the audience. Okay. This is what I think could be the intro to the show. Hello, everybody. I'm Max. I'm Parker. And welcome back to Better Than Citizen Kane, the highly subjective show where we look at a movie and ask the question, is it better than Citizen Kane? If you like Citizen Kane, that's fine, because we're not here to hate it. But when every movie ever made is a reasonable challenger for the title of greatest film of all time, you have to wonder. And then I gesture to Parker. Is it better than Citizen Kane? So retire your defenses and have a good time as we dive in. <laughs> as we dive into this week's pick, Forrest Gump. Lovely, I love that. I think it's we'll, kind we'll, of fun. Yeah, we'll, we'll do workshop that a little, it. Yeah, I think that's a great that's a great starting point. Thanks for writing that up. I think that's yeah. really good. And next next time we do this, it'll it'll actually be polished and better. Yeah, and every I will that's, know what's happening. Yep. No, I'm, I'm going to no. change it again. I figured you might. <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to change just it week on to your, week. Just keep keep changing. Just change it, it a little. I, I did. I did have an idea of in the introduction. I initially thought, hey, maybe we'll write it so that it's, you know, that it explains the rules of what we, you know, what, how we, how we're like analyzing the movies as well. And I mm-hmm. thought about calling it a, a collection of criteria, uh, which is just <laughs> silly. It's a silly that time. Silly. It's also funny to me that I wrote, so retire your defenses, because I actually do think there's a chance that people this week might have some takes on we, this. Yeah, we might we might upset a few people with this one, and I think we're kind of fully prepared for that. But, I think uh, we are. Max, tell us a little bit about why we're doing Forrest Gump. Why? Why? So we start with Vertigo, and we had explained Vertigo as its relation to the sight and sound list, all those things. Why are we watching Forrest Gump as our second episode? I think initially we chose Forrest Gump as our second episode because it's a movie that we both don't like very much. So initially, initially we wanted to do an, a movie that we liked more, but also had like a relation to Citizen Kane as far as a list goes or, or, you know, general conversation. It feels like comparing Vertigo to Citizen Kane is an, is a pretty standard comparison. Mm-hmm. But I think with Forrest Gump, it was one, we don't, we, we didn't want to just do movies that we love unequivocally every time. Right. We wanted to like challenge ourselves a little bit. And also, I think we'll talk about this a little bit more as we get in. I think that was the initial idea. And then one of the ideas, correct me if I'm wrong, Parker, was also that this is a movie that did incredibly well. This is a movie Mm -hmm. that made a lot of money and won so many awards at the Oscars and where and was considered like a staple of like 90s cinema and of American. Like it feels like it's kind of ingratiated itself into the culture in a way Mm -hmm. that I would argue that Citizen Kane has not. In a lot of ways. I mean, it helps that Forrest Gump came out in 1994, was starring Tom Hanks and like is all around just that's like peak pop culture times to just be entering pop culture. So obviously that's not. But yeah, that's was that the basic gist of it was just that it. I think so. It won a lot of awards and it was something that we didn't like very much. And it's also kind of feels like a, a classic of American cinema to a lot of people. Yeah. Like there's again specifically like the critical reception of it was a huge part of this for us of like okay this thing swept at the oscars that yeah it just went all over the place i've got the list pulled up right here nice it won best actor best picture best director best adapted screenplay best visual effects and best film editing and was nominated for pretty much everything else which is a lot it's a lot that's a a lot lot for a movie Right. Which I mean, we're going to we'll be delving into this throughout the entire course of this podcast of like my personal relationship to like the Oscars as the bar of like quality is kind of whatever. I don't really think it matters a whole lot. I think it's fun every year. I enjoy engaging with the Oscars every year, but I don't look at it and be like, ah, yes, these are qualifiable, the best films that came out this year. Right. Especially and like, in the sign side of history. But so many people do treat it that way. 
Right. And a lot of people do see it as like, if you do not get nominated, if you do not win an Oscar, then that discounts your film's quality or importance, which I think is, and that's, I understand why you do that because the Oscars talks about it in that way. Almost like there's almost Mm -hmm. that air about, I mean, not really, but like, you know, when you have a category called best picture and you call yourselves the Academy, like it feels like you're setting yourselves up for like, we are the authority on this. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a ten, and even if that's not the case, that is the reading from a lot of people in just film culture and in pop culture. Mm-hmm. And so, like, if a movie doesn't get nominated, it's like, well, how could they? How could they not do that? I'm like, well, the movie's still good. If right. you like the movie and it doesn't get nominated, I think that's not a sign of the film's quality. I think it's no, just and like it didn't get nominated because the Academy is a is an odd anonymous group of people of varying ages and, well, I would say ethnicities. Who knows? Yeah, <laughs> who knows well. at this point? I mean, like the the example I always point to of like, I don't actually care much of what the Oscars think is it's either 1968 or 1969. The musical Oliver won Best Picture, and that was the same year that 2001 A Space Odyssey came out and didn't even receive a nomination. Yes. So it's things like that where it's like in hindsight, looking at like what we know about film history now, it's not always going to be a one to one with like right. what the Academy has to say. Well, and even with Citizen Kane, Citizen Kane didn't win Best Picture. It was How Green is the Earth how or green, uh, How Green, how green is Your valley. valley. How Green was yeah. My Valley. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. That won Best Picture the year that Citizen Kane came out. Right. So it's like, and I don't hear many people talk about, I mean, this, this podcast isn't called better than how Greece is my valley. <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, so all those reasons are kind of why we felt interested in jumping into like Forrest Gump, because as you all already know from the first episode, like our feelings on Citizen Kane are kind of neither here nor there and are pretty waffling back and forth. And so we thought it'd be interesting, again, starting with something that we felt like we liked a fair amount and was comparable to Citizen Kane, going and deliberately picking a movie that we don't enjoy very much personally and trying to compare that just because I think that puts Citizen Kane at an interesting point, especially to to jump suddenly from where we were, which was, what, 59 for Vertigo? Vertigo's 58. 58. Yeah. Yeah. So jumping from there to 94, I think, is also another reason why we wanted to look at something that wasn't as close to being a contemporary of Citizen Kane. Look at something that kind right. of spans the breadth of. Yeah. The I mean, there's more. there's 53 years between Citizen Kane and Forrest Gump mm-hmm. and film changed a few times <laughs> between those. Yeah. Just between, a couple. Just a, just a few. Just a times. few. <laughs> um. With that out of the way, I think we can just kind of jump into what we thought of the movie. Uh, we watched this one together. We did. It was fun. Uh, Different, than Different than Vertigo. Different than Vertigo. We watched it together, mostly because uh, you, you want to tell people why we watched this together, Max? Because I was, I was driving and my plan was to get home and watch Forrest Gump for the podcast. And as I was driving, I thought, oh, oh, God, I don't. <laughs> I don't want to watch Forrest Gump by myself in my room because here's a quick here's a quick breakdown of my setup listeners is that I have a little a little Blu-ray DVD player that I that I can take places. It's very easy to carry around. But uh, mainly I just you know, the TV in my in my apartment's living room is pretty small. It's my roommate's TV and it's pretty small. It's not that much bigger than it might even be the same size as my computer monitor. Mm -hmm. So I just find that it's oftentimes a better alternative to just plug it into my monitor and just watch it from like a few feet away rather than on a smaller screen from a little ways away. But that does make a lot of movie viewing experiences kind of lonesome in a way. For some reason, watching it alone on your computer is different than watching it alone on in front of a TV. Nonetheless, uh, I didn't want to watch a two and a half hour movie that I don't like alone because I wouldn't have paid attention to it at all. I would have eventually zoned out because I just couldn't, I can't stand this movie, Parker. I I have a really hard time. I have a really hard time with it. And I'll tell you this, we talked about it right after we watched it. Uh And, and we were very, we were, we were having a good time just yelling about it a little bit uh, during the viewing. And I'll I'll admit, I've thought about it a little bit more. Uh And I think I've ever so slightly softened, but not, on the actual movie itself, just on maybe Zemeckis's intention 
with the movie. I, but even then, it's the sorry. We'll get into it. So <laughs> we watched it together. There's yes, the we story. We watched it together, um, mostly because Max couldn't face the thought of uh, enduring this alone, um, and I have the added bonus of more often than not, I'm able to watch movies with my wife Kate, and so that you know helps stave off some of the you know, drudgery because you have somebody to watch it with and talk and to about talk it. to and like yeah, to exactly. finish and to finish Forrest Gump and then just be by myself, right. uh, just left with my thoughts, which again, that happens a lot with movies. And then I usually end up having to text you or mm-hmm. somebody else where I'm like, I just watched this movie. I need to talk about it. Right. Um, right. So it was just, a, it was just all around a much better viewing experience of Forrest Gump to watch it with other people. When have you seen Forrest Gump before we watched it together? And what was your okay. opinion of it before we watched it for the podcast? This might not be true, but I think definitively, I think when we watched together might have been my third time in my life watching this movie. The first time I ever watched this movie was in college and there was a girl that I was dating at the time and we were were hanging out, you know, having a date. And she was like, oh, we should watch a movie. I said, yeah, you know, we both love movies. And uh, she'd suggested Forrest Gump. Um, And she's like, oh, have you ever seen this movie before? I said, no, I haven't. Um, Haven't gotten around to it yet. She's like, oh, great. We should watch it. And every like I had everything going for it, like I was spending time with somebody I enjoyed. It was new. It was fun. I'd never seen it before, like should have been a good viewing experience, but was not mostly because I just did not care for the movie very much. And I think maybe and that was what, like 2016, like early 2016. Right. There is a chance there's I can't remember. There's a chance that I watched it sometime in grad school, specifically under the lens of like looking at the visual effects that might have. been. Oh, gotcha. I and I don't know that I even like it might have been something where I like skimmed through it and like watched the scenes that we yeah. were be talking about. But I didn't watch the whole movie again. I'm not right. Sure, but it is yeah, a long least, movie. <laughs> it is a long movie. So all this to say that I can count on one hand the number of times I've seen this movie in my life. Right. And so can I. I think I'm pretty sure the only time I'd seen this movie before this was I came back from a New Year's dance and it was my dad was watching it, maybe. But I could be completely wrong because it doesn't make sense to come back from a New Year's dance at like midnight and my dad's watching a movie. And then I said and then I think my sister was there. like, it's such a weird, vague memory of like, I saw this sure. somewhere sometime. So I might have just been coming back from an event of some of some intangible kind and uh-huh. we got back and it was just on and then i think we restarted it maybe and i watched it and i sat and watched it and i remember i don't remember much about like what i was thinking about it i remember mm-hmm. be, i remember being taken by the feather at the beginning and i and i went on to parody that in one of my youtube videos very of poorly um, because i was like well movies so you got to parody movies <laughs> And so in my in one video in my narrative YouTube series I was doing at age 14, there was an episode mm-hmm. that riffs on Forrest Gump and it's bad. Um, very good. Uh, link will be in the bio. For link. That, <laughs> uh, that will be attached to the show notes. You're, you're going to be jumping into episode four of the third <laughs> season. I just I just don't know how. And seasons sure one and seasons one and two aren't even available on the on the on the channel oh, anymore. So you're just going to wow. be jumping in blind. I mean. I know. All right. I guess we'll send them in anyways. (laughs) So I remember watching it and I remember crying at the end. Sure. And I remember just being like, oh, because, you know, it was at the time in my life where when people would tell me a movie was important and or good, I would just take their word for it. Yeah. You know, like there were movies that I didn't like and like I knew Mm -hmm. that movies could be bad. But if a movie had won a bunch of Oscars, I took that as a sign of it being a good classic movie that Mm -hmm. was clearly good. And so I think that I just I cried and I was like, great, cool. That worked for me. And then I was like, and it's a classic of filmmaking. It's a perfect film because it won all those Oscars. Like that was how deeply I thought about it at the time. I, I, and that's fair, I think. I, I'm sure if I saw this younger, I probably would have like, again, same sort of thing. Like this is a big, important movie and I should like it. And so I'm going to like it. You kind of buy specifically, I feel like at that age of like 10 Mm -hmm. to 15, you kind of just buy into what people tell you is good. Absolutely. Like there are movies that you're like, well, that's a bad movie. But if people Mm -hmm. are like, this is an important historical, very good movie, then you go, well, of course. And I don't want to be wrong. (laughs) So I agree with your opinions. I agree with the, the national consensus. Yeah. 
But really my experience with Forrest Gump is that I hated it because in junior high, anytime I was running anywhere, anytime anyone was running anywhere, somebody in the hallway would yell, run, Forrest, run. I think that's a fairly universal experience. I think it is. And I think this movie ruined running for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. I just don't. It's just part of that. It's part of that thing that I have a hard time with when someone comes up to you and they go, have you seen this movie? It's funny. And then they quote the movie to you for a really long time. Yeah. And like, look, if you're with friends and you're remembering a movie like we do that and that's fun. But if someone totally. specifically comes up to you and is like, have you seen The Princess Bride? And you go, yes, I have. They go, do you remember this funny line? And then they say it and then you kind of laugh and then they just keep going. Have you ever had that happen to you? Yeah, it's, it's the same feeling to me of like, totally. isn't it funny when we just reference the movie? Yeah, it's a like, thing funny. And it's like, well, you just said the line. You just saw someone running and you just said, run, Forrest, run. And that's the height of comedy for you. All right. Anyways, whatever. <laughs> this movie. Uh, so for that reason, I, I understood that it was a good movie, but I also despised it sure. for that reason. The last thing I'll say about like my experience with the movie and then we'll just kind of jump into our thoughts. Is, Absolutely. So I watched it that one time and then sometime between watching it for the first time and then watching it again the other day with you. I think I just kind of gotten a bit more of like the cultural osmosis around it. Specifically, I I firmly believe that any sort of like rose tinted glasses you can bring to this gets obliterated if you've ever watched Tropic Thunder, because there's an entire <laughs> like character beat around Ben Stiller's character doing a Forrest Gump movie called Simple Jack. And like once it, it's it's like you you made a comparison when I brought that up. You said like that would be like if you'd watched Elvis before you ever saw like Walk Hard. Right. Yeah. Then, or or vice versa or yeah, however. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, you know, watching whatever cookie cutter by the numbers biopic you've ever seen in your life. And then you watch something that just lampoons it mercilessly. You can't really go hard. back to it yeah, and take it sincerely. Exactly. So I think that was part of it, too, is that I already didn't like the movie. And then as I've gotten older, there have been more and more things where I'm like, hmm, don't like that element of this movie. That seems <laughs> a bit a little problematic. Not crazy about this. And then yeah. eventually just the nail in the coffin of like, oh, yeah, like even even Hollywood now has gotten to the point, which is surprising because what Tropic Thunder is like 2008, 2006, so, somewhere because it was pre Iron right? Man. So it was 2006 uh-huh. for Robert Downey Jr. I think. Yeah. So like. Within like a decade plus slightly to just come around completely on this movie and be like, yeah, actually, this is kind of absurd. Yeah, did this and that it was the biggest thing ever. It's an absurd movie in a lot of ways to the point that during the movie, I think the question that I want to start with that we kept asking while we were watching Forrest Gump is what do you want us to feel? (laughs) how how do you like how does because one of the criteria that we you know measure the movies on this podcast by is is it doing what it's trying to do well Mm -hmm. and i don't know really what zemeckis is trying to do with forrest gump there's a theme of like well i don't know is it okay here's the first question i wanted to ask you because i in between us watching and, and now this recording i read some opinions on it as a satirical movie. It's a very satirical movie. Sure. Of American history. Mm -hmm. Do you get a satirical sense from it? Very much. Because Because I really sincere. Right. And so I feel like if there are any satirical elements, for example, this movie opens with Forrest Gump saying that he is a descendant of like a grand wizard of the Ku Klux Klan. They have Tom Hanks put on a clan hood and then they insert him into like footage from Birth of a Nation. Nation. And that's supposed to maybe be a joke because there's no way that you're doing that sincerely. Right. So that's kind of like, but what are you satirizing? Yeah. Are you satirizing Forrest? Because you're not because Forrest is like because Zemeckis said going into this movie because I read about this. He said he is an innocent at all times. He is innocent. Mm -hmm. He cannot be any he can't you know like that's kind of the goal going in is like he's a force for good who is innocent and i'm like right so then so okay okay (laughs) so and this is and this was and this was my tone the entire movie watching the movie the whole time i was just like okay and and, and to what end what is this 
what are you trying to do? What do you, have you had any new thoughts on what it's trying to do? I've just I've been thinking a lot about what we talked about, which was like the film almost tries to be magical realism. And I don't know if it's just Forrest's memory of retelling it, if it's actually the way it happened. But like specifically, there are times when like Forrest is running from his bullies, either as a child or as an adult and Forrest exits frame. We keep with the bullies. And as the bullies move to like a different axis and chase him and turn to the left, we now reveal with the camera that Forrest is like, 600 or 700 yards ahead of them like it's right. just gone like yeah. you know, roadrunner almost just disappears yeah. and it's like okay so he's not actually moving that fast unless he is actually moving that fast like and there's a lot of that in this movie where again the tone is unclear it's unclear whether this is again is it satire is it parody is it saccharine? Is it magical realism? We don't know. Like, there are no <laughs> rules established in this world no. for us to go off of. No, and I think it results in a very interesting thing that you pointed out when we finished the movie, which you said... <laughs> you said that you can tell a lot about a person by whether they think of Forrest Gump as a drama or as a comedy. Absolutely. If someone comes to you and they say, Forrest Gump's the funniest movie I've ever seen... That's, but what does that tell you about that person? Is it just that they only saw the jokes and they only remember the jokes? Or is I it that think they so. think that everything that happens that's sad is fun? Like, I don't the, know. I just all, The reason I said that is because I know so many people who, like, when I bring up Forrest Gump, they're like, oh, that movie's so funny. And like, I don't think it's that funny. It's not. I don't think it's funny. There's, like, some funny jokes or like quips. There's quips in this movie. This movie's got quips and it's got little gags like Forrest at a protest and he starts talking about his experience in Vietnam and it gets unplugged. And then at the end they plug it back in and he goes, and that's all I have to say about that. Mm. And like the, the, but the joke is on us. <laughs> right. Because we don't get to, and, and I, I didn't expect to get to that as quickly as I have, but I think that another problem with why this movie is so indecipherable as a tone is that this movie doesn't say anything and it's very careful to not say anything. At least that's like the negative read of the movie. In my right. opinion is like this movie makes an active effort to have for it because by centering history, by centering American history through the lens of someone who fundamentally does not understand it and is just a simpleton. I think that when we were watching this, obviously, we're like, well, you know, who is Forrest Gump? Is this kind of a problematic performance? But if you just read it as he's just not smart. Right. He doesn't understand the context of American history, which enables him to not have any opinion on it. He right. just says, and then they tried to shoot that man for some reason. And the movie does not go into any detail on why anyone would want to do that. Right. And at every point where Forrest could learn something, he meets the Black Panthers. He meets the protesters at the Capitol. Mm -hmm. He meets Richard Nixon. And at no point is he interacting with the political contexts of these things. And I right. guess the movie, it's kind of smart in this way. The movie is avoiding taking any side and allowing the audience to fill in the blanks. Mm -hmm. Forrest Gump doesn't understand Vietnam. He says what he thinks Vietnam is. And the audience, based on their understanding of Vietnam, will either think, wow, he's so wrong. That's so sad. Or they'll think, wow, he's so wrong. That's so funny to me. Mm -hmm. And it, I don't know who thinks what. But the movie is actively avoiding any statement to the point that when Forrest Gump is at a protest with like famous protesters, the movie prevents him from saying anything. Right. Because if he says something and again, even then, if we did hear what he said, he would probably have just said, I went for a walk and my friends died. Right. Like yeah. something like that. And then the, again, in universe, I can't remember. The, it's the famous protester. His name's Abby. What was his name? I can't remember his the name. The name's slipping my mind. It's slipping my mind. But he's the he's the guy who brings him up. And afterwards, mm -hmm. he gives him a hug and he's like, that's so powerful, man. Yeah. And it's like, right, because you can project whatever you want onto Forrest Gump, the character and the film. Right. The audience can come in and just go, this is my understanding of American history. Mm -hmm. And so the movie is actively not saying anything. It doesn't have anything to say, except that Jenny suffered 
because she was a sex worker and did drugs. <laughs> yeah. Uh, That's kind of the weird statement that maybe you can read into. Yeah, I I've got a very complicated relationship with Jenny as a character. <laughs> Which is yeah, we'll get into that in a minute, but Yeah. So yeah, what are no. what are so what are your thoughts on all on on my theory about that? No, I, I completely agree. Like it is you, something interesting you said when we've watched finished watching the movie is you're like, this is the most censorist movie ever made. Like it is yes. trying to be as inoffensive as possible to anybody on any side of a political spectrum in American history. Again, because you said, like you said, he is a blank slate. He is an empty vessel for the audience to project whatever their experiences or thoughts are about American history. And right. something else that I thought was really interesting that you pointed out was the movie does a very good job, I would say. Good, you know, right. subjectively, objectively, whatever. Like it's it, it delves into each of its decades very definitively. Except for the 80s. It doesn't really touch the 80s. It kind of glosses over them. Well, it also weirdly kind of ends in the 80s. In yeah. the, at the end, he's at Jenny's grave and Jenny's grave says she dies in 1982, mm -hmm. which doesn't quite make sense to me. No, but so so it, but it glosses over the 80s, like you're saying, right? Yeah, because like everything else is so like Vietnam takes up a huge portion of this. It does. The, know, we are in the 60s for a very long time. Yeah, 60s take up a big chunk of time. And then it just kind of rushes through at the end. It's like, all right, there we go. Which is weird to me because like we we, we, we had that realization looking at Jenny's gravestone. I was like, does this movie not end in the 90s? Like this is this movie not <laughs> ended in 1994. I thought it did. Like I thought right. this was a contemporary movie. What's happening? Yeah. But it's not. It ends it's in not. 1982 right. or at least a year later, which is interesting, though, because also it talks about Reagan at the end, doesn't it? I think so. Doesn't it, doesn't it slightly mention because I had just made the point of like, wow, they're not going to talk about Reagan. Uh-huh. And then at the very end, they say something and they show they show Reagan's attempted assassination. They yeah. show someone shoots Reagan. And then I think mm -hmm. that's it. I think that's all we get, which is also a weird like underlying current to this movie is just how many times it's focusing on like assassination of historical figures. And and that's where it almost feels like it's saying something where it almost right. feels like it's satirized and it's like saying like, wow. And again, like look at how many times like political figures and John Lennon were assassinated. Look at, right. look at how many times that happened. And it's like, that is an interesting point that you're pointing out how many people have been shot at. It but doesn't, what, what but again, it doesn't feel like it's saying anything with that. It feels like it's just, hitting every beat yeah because Forrest doesn't react to that he does he just says and then they shot that man and you're like okay and what do you feel Forrest yeah how, how do you feel about that buddy do like, you feel anything about that and that's where that's where this movie gets really interesting because at the end we had, we both admitted like it is very effective the scene that's very effective which won Tom Hanks the Oscar I firmly believe mm -hmm. of him saying is he smart or is he like and he can't say me and he's very emotional about his son. It's the and best scene in the movie. It's the best scene in the because movie. Because he's allowed to be a human Because being. he's allowed to have a feeling. Yeah. Whereas most of the movie, he is not feeling things. He is walking around and, and completely oblivious. You know, he saves, you know, he wants to save Bubba. He saves Bubba, but he mm -hmm. saves every, or he doesn't save Bubba, but he saves everybody else. Yeah. But he's not, and like Bubba dies and that's, but and again, but like it, it and then it just completely moves on it he, he because he is he isn't allowed to have a feeling and it no, almost feels like that's the joke but then the ending he does have a feeling and that's very emotionally effective but like so much of the humor of this movie is derived from Forrest doesn't understand american history right it's like his lack of reaction that's the punchline every time yeah and i just felt like that wasn't very funny for the most of it where i was like well that you, that's the joke well, every time. I don't know. It also, do it also doesn't work because they play the same punchline to jokes and to emotional beats. The punchline is always he doesn't understand. So you can have something like, you know, his drill sergeant screaming at him and him saying, I'll just do whatever you want me to do. And he's like, you're going to be the best goddamn soldier anybody's ever seen. Like that can be the punchline. But also it can be the punchline when Lieutenant Dan pulls him out of his bed and is screaming at him and saying, like, you robbed me of my destiny. And he's like, what are you talking about? Like, yeah, and that's a dramatic moment. But the punchline is the same. The punchline is 
Forrest is not allowed to have a reaction to anything. Right. Which can either be played for emotional, like when he beats up anyone in Jenny's life. Mm -hmm. But then you're supposed to go, oh, but he doesn't understand. Right. But then when it's funny, you go, he doesn't understand. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I feel like, again, that's part of the centristness of this movie. It's like looking at a Rorschach test. It's totally. like, what do you bring do you to this see? movie? What do you see what do, in this what do, what do you see in Forrest Gump? And when it comes out in 1994, at a time when, you know, boomers are finally reaching, like Bill Clinton is the first boomer president. Boomers are finally hitting their political, you know, their political control. And they're, you know, they're now the audience and they're probably in the academy. Mm-hmm. They bring a lot of nostalgia to this movie. Totally. They bring they they weren't they were children when Vietnam was happening or, you know, they were teenagers when Vietnam is happening and some of them fought, but a lot of them didn't. And like specifically in like those earlier events too, like integration of, of schools and that sort of thing mm-hmm. for them. It's like, well, I wasn't quite like an adult for that, but I but and therefore I think that creates naturally a nostalgic element of it. Of That's my childhood. Right. Right. Like these are events from my life and I remember them. And so I think that that's part of the reason this movie did so well in 1994, because you also see in in one of the classes I took in college, we talked about how anniversaries of events push them to the forefront of culture's minds and to communities' Mm. minds. So World War Two wasn't really like seen as this, you know, it was seen when they came back, it was this big victory. They, you know, America was like, we won. It isn't that great. And the greatest generation and everything with that. And then it kind of drifted away as things happened, the cold war and, and Vietnam. And then in the nineties, you reach 50th anniversary, the late nineties, you hit the 50th anniversary of world war two. Mm-hmm. And that brings up a lot of people having nostalgia for that era, people reconsidering it, recontextualizing it, thinking about it a lot and honoring it and respecting it. That's when a lot of monuments go up for World War II. And that's when Saving Private Ryan happens. That's when, you know, you get these big things. And I think that Forrest Gump came out at the exact right time Mm -hmm. to play on that of, of a generation's experiences. And when it, and when the, and then when a movie like that is a Rorschach test and when it is bring to it, what you will, then you get everyone bringing it. And that's when you have people who do say this movie is a satire. They're bringing in their opinions on America. But I think what's interesting, and we talked about this a little bit. Well, do you have anything to say about what I was just talking about? I don't know. So you mentioned that like, okay, if this is a sat, like if this is a satire, was it satirizing? I, I don't buy that argument because so much of the cultural discourse around this movie at the time, and as I've heard people talk about it, it sort of becomes this really weird, almost kind of gross, like excuse to be like, oh, well, now we can humanize people with mental illness. Like, that's a, a weird attachment to this movie. I see it. People talk about a lot. Is that like, well, no, Forrest is so sweet and so simple and he can do anything anybody else can do. And isn't that great? It's like, yeah, but half of the movie is laughing at him for that. Half of the movie. Yeah. thinks that's great. Half of the movie is like, yeah, wouldn't it be better if we were all like Forrest Gump? And then the yeah. other half of the movie is laughing at him. And that's being like, true. Isn't he kind of silly and dumb? And right. oh, oh, he doesn't know. Oh, poor sweet. It's patronizing. Guy. It's very patronizing. It's very patronizing of Forrest Gump. And again, I think that depends on your reading of is Forrest Gump. Is he does he have a mental illness? Is right. He, is, you he, know, is he on the spectrum? Of yeah. Does he have or a disability is just, or is mm-hmm. he just a, like dumb? Very, yeah. He's just, and the movie seems to want i think the movie would prefer that we just think he's dumb uh-huh but then you have these very these these moments that are very readable as as in that context and i'd be totally. very interested to hear from people in that community to talk Absolutely. about to talk to that i don't think that i'm the right person to talk to no that. and I'm, I'm not either but you have i can't definitively say one way or the right, other right but you ha- even i think either way you have scenes where jenny says well you don't know what love is and that's clearly the movie saying she's wrong yeah I and you're and you're and yeah and you're supposed to i think that you're not supposed yeah. to like her for that mm-hmm. this movie has a very complicated relationship with jenny yeah. um but then at the end forrest says you know when he asks her to marry him and she right is that when this happens yeah. and she basically mm-hmm. says no and, and goes like, upstairs yeah and he says like i may not be a smart man but i know what love is and mm-hmm. he leaves and again that's another moment where he is allowed to have a feeling 
other right. than just love for his mama and his love well, for Jenny. It's the, fir- it's the his love first for time, too, that like he has any sort of backbone around Jenny where he's like, you can't just keep writing me off. Like, you can't just keep washing away my feelings and reactions to things just because you th- have some sense of superiority. Right. Do you want to talk about Jenny? <laughs> okay. <sighs> I have two problems with Jenny. Mm. The first problem is that she is not allowed to be a character. She's just meant to be a counterpoint cautionary tale. Jenny does not have thoughts or feelings or things that she wants out of life. She simply passes through life and has everything happen to her. She is one of the most passive characters I've ever seen in film Mm. where things just happen to her. And specifically, it feels like and I don't know if this is just my own read of the movie or elsewise. It feels like she is there as the filmmaker saying, hey, don't be like Jenny. Be like Forrest. Do what you're told. Love America. (laughs) You know, just blindly follow and just be simple and don't question anything and don't have opinions about anything. And Jenny is at these protests and Jenny is part of like the counterculture and Jenny is trying all of these new things and she is miserable for it the entire time. She's punished for it. She's punished, (laughs) mercilessly punished the entire movie for doing anything outside of the cookie cutter norm of what is expected of like the American lifestyle. Yeah. And so I can't help but feel like she's standing in as a cautionary tale and a counterpoint to like Forrest represents one way of living and Jenny represents another. And the movie is very clearly saying Jenny's way is wrong and you will be punished and be miserable. Yeah. So I don't (laughs) like her for that reason. I don't like what she represents and I don't like how the movie treats her. Right. I also just don't like her for how she treats Forrest at all. There is never yeah. a point where I think she cares about Forrest other than like the basic way human beings care about other human beings. It almost feels like I was thinking this while we we're watching the movie. Genuinely, parts of her interactions with Forrest feels like she's talking to a dog. Like her reactions yeah. to Forrest is like, this is my sweet, lovely yeah. pet and I love him so much. But he doesn't understand things. It feels like she's using him every time. Absolutely. She she comes into his life when she's reached a new low that the film has Mm -hmm. put upon her. Not one that it feels like she reached of her own volition, that she just achieved by nature of the film needing someone to experience that, I guess. But you don't really need... But, like, that's my other thing. And you'd kind of touch upon this. of like It feels like Jenny only exists as a character to show the parts of America that Forrest naturally wouldn't end up in. Mm-hmm. So it's like, well, Forrest is this. And I like that what you said about Jenny being a very passive character, but I think that Forrest is also the embodiment of a passive character. Literally totally. everything happens to him in that he is told what to do and he does it. And that they make a point of that. But Jenny specifically, like she's, she only returns to Forrest when she's, like she needs to come home to him to like find right. her. I, I kept calling it what like a come to forest moment <laughs> where like <laughs> where she she keeps coming back to him and being like, no, I'm gonna sort myself out because I'm I you you right. love me and you take care of me. Uh-huh. But it never feels like she comes back to him because she loves him. It feels no, like she not can, once. to the point that even once they're together for a time, she leaves again. Yeah, and then she, she has a child. And then she just doesn't doesn't tell try him. to find him until she finds out that she's sick and then can therefore use him to take care of her child. Yeah. In some ways, maybe. Yeah. Just a so really I, poor, just a really negatively written character. Yeah. I just I, 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 I personally just think that Jenny is one of the worst written characters in cinema. That is my sure. personal opinion of Jenny's character. Wow, we did it. We found one. <laughs> and I think I think the performance is good. I yeah. think that Robin, Robin Wright, Wright is doing a, a good job. She's doing a wonderful job. I love Robin Wright. Like it's yep. just I think I think the writers and the filmmakers just do Jenny dirty constantly. And also yes. she is awful to Forrest. And there's, yeah. there's no part of me that is ever rooting for this relationship. There's no part of me that is ever like, oh, I hope these two crazy kids can work it out and get together. Like, I'm just like, Forrest, she sexually assaulted <laughs> you. I don't know what to tell you, man. Like, she doesn't care. Yeah. Go find hmm. somebody who loves you for you. 
so okay, so so those are like so those, the those are the two main characters. Other yeah. characters, Lieutenant Dan, feels mm-hmm. like someone where they're the closest to saying something. Sure, but he is played as kind of a an a villain until he has his come to Forrest moment and just accepts yeah. that Forrest is a good man. And then he's right. Like there, the motion, and then there his is no, ex- there is no examination on his part of like, cause they, they make some passing gag about how his family line has had somebody die in every major conflict. Right. Pretty which, much in like American history, which again, and once again, like, feels like yeah, you're saying like, okay, something you're maybe getting somewhere. And like, there could be potential for like, his come to forest moment couldn't be a like it it could have been a come to himself moment of like huh i gave my legs to this yeah and like my family has given their lives to this and i'm in a wheelchair and like you know drinking as a bum and pretty much homeless and like what does the American government have to say about that? Like, do yeah. they care? Do they want to help me as a veteran who is disabled right. in the war? Like, but yeah. he never gets there. He never he, gets all, there. All that happens is that he is bitter and angry and he's never bitter and angry at the system. He's angry at Forrest for taking away his destiny. And right. then he's just, and then the come to Forrest moment is like, well, I'm just not going to worry about it anymore. <laughs> I'm just going to embrace this quality well, of life I have. <laughs> Which... Which, again, is, I think, the movie's ultimate point is that wouldn't life be better if we were all a little bit more like Forrest, which is to say, wouldn't life be better if we all stopped thinking so much (laughs) and we all just did what we were told? Yeah. And wouldn't that be great? And because, again, Lieutenant Dan is a very interesting character in that he believes his destiny was to die because every member of his family has died in a war. Mm -hmm. Like it almost feels. And again, that feels like you're so close but also, yeah. they never once portray Lieutenant Dan at Lieutenant Dan's bitterness as sympathetic. No, you you feel bad for him, but you feel bad for him because he's not seeing the world in the way that Forrest is. Right. It feel they're never like, wow, he he believed that it was his destiny to die fighting for America because everyone in his family has died fighting for America, and 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 wow, he deserves to be bitter because America historically has a very bad track record with how they treat veterans after they come home. But the movie doesn't do that. The movie is just saying Lieutenant Dan is bitter and you're almost led to think that he should get over it. (laughs) And then he gets over it. And then it's like, wow, he got over it and he found himself a wife and he's got a prosthetic. And isn't that wonderful? And you're like, right. And that is, Mm -hmm. but it feels like he only, (laughs) like it doesn't feel right. That again, it, Not it, saying that it, I want him to suffer or that I don't think no, he deserves that, but... Right, I get what you're saying, because it's just... If any of his anger at Forrest was directed at the system that failed him, then yeah. some... Like, I think that's the fear, is that if you do that, then his anger does become sympathetic. And right. it does because something that you can't just wash away and brush off and be like, oh, well, just be more like Forrest. <laughs> Yeah, if if he's taking it up with the system, you can't just be like, be like Forrest and forget the system. <laughs> he, he has to be, because then the movie plays its card. It shows its hand. Yeah, and which, the same, like, there's a lot of that. There's a lot of that in this movie. There's a lot of that in this movie. Of, like, seeing people in dire straits because of systemic problems of Forrest's mom having to sleep with the principal to get him into school is a systemic problem. Bubba's family being in abject poverty is a systemic problem. Like (laughs) there's so many moments in this where they present like, Oh, Hey, look, there's some, there's some issues here. And instead of having anything interesting to say about not even solutions, right? Like you don't have to solve these problems, but they don't even comment on the problems. It's just, well, Forrest doesn't care. So you shouldn't care either. And that's what it feels like it's saying about the assassination attempts as well. Mm -hmm. Is it's like, it's like all of these politicians were shot at and attempted to be killed or were successfully killed. And again, it feels like, well, that's a systemic issue in that this is clearly the 70s and 80s were a huge time for violence because the systems were so horrible and poorly, you know, like and you could point that out. You could point out gun issues. You could point out all kinds of things or you could have a conversation about, well, why do people want to shoot politicians? Like, what is that from? Why is America so 
like prolific when it comes to assassination attempts but it doesn't do that no it's because once again Forrest doesn't understand it and Forrest just goes and then somebody shot that man mm-hmm. but i think that what this movie ends up doing is it ends up just because it's preaching that as a lifestyle because mm-hmm. it's saying well look Forrest gump made all these he did the he did all these things and look at where he ends up he has a son that he loves and he's a billionaire, but they don't talk about that part. They don't know. They don't talk. He gives the money. They have, they, it almost feels like they just intended to let you believe that he gave all of the money away. Yeah. But he it, didn't, he gave no. like some, but, and like, There's obviously some like line about how like his Apple stock makes it. So he never has to worry about money again. But the, again, the movie is not, and I guess, you know, it's the nineties. So they're not really running into billionaire problems of like yet, yet. Yeah. But like, that's so weird that at the end the movie still like, and that's the other thing. Sorry, there's so many things, and I, I don't, I don't want to go on too long. But like, it's just it's a movie that actively is preaching conformity and sure. preaching and preaching like a lack of critical thinking, mm-hmm. and that is a very dangerous thing to do with American history. <laughs> And I yeah. feel like and I feel like that's why you see people turning on this movie so much. Mm-hmm. Even once just in like 2006, you look at that you look, or to, whenever Tropic Thunder comes out, you look right. at that. and It's like, well, that's post Bush. Mm-hmm. And I feel like maybe that's when a lot of people are disillusioned. A lot more people are disillusioned with America. Tropic Thunder is 2008. 2008. OK, there you go. Wow. Thank you. Uh, so, yeah, getting into. But again, that's it feels like that's when we get into like this post-America like you know like on a, right. on a wider scale right because yeah. it comes out that the war is is faulty it's not really about you know yeah it's not about weapons of mass destruction and I think that you see a huge shift so I think that's maybe why Forrest Gump simultaneously does so well when it comes out but then also is soured upon pretty quickly mm-hmm. because it came out in 1994 <laughs> yeah no I agree I don't know Okay, yeah. so those are our thoughts on Forrest Gump. <laughs> one, there's one other thing I wanted to say. Yeah. Just my final thing, because this ties into, well, you're going to get into the criteria by which we measure mm-hmm. this guy, right? Yes. So the first one of those is how well is it doing what it's trying to do? Sure. Let's start there. Uh-huh. If it's trying to be a satire, it fails. Yes. Does it work as an earnest portrayal of American history? As an earnest, isn't America great? Do you think it does well at that? <sighs> Because I don't really think it does. I because don't it think it high, it accentuates the wars and the violence, yeah, and the and the unhappiness that people have. It's a very it still shows all of the conflict in America. It's not saying America's great, right? Yeah, I think I think the only sincerity that can be found in it is a sincerity for Forrest's worldview. Yes. I think that is what it is romanticizing. I don't think it's romanticizing America, and if it's no. trying to do that, it doesn't do it very well. Okay, so it's romanticizing Forrest's worldview and mm-hmm. kind of preaching it as a, hey, yeah, just don't think about it too much. Just don't think about it. And do you, but I don't think it does well at that. No, I don't think it does either because of the backdrop it chooses to use. Like, this would be different if this film were structured like It's a Wonderful Life. If we saw somebody living in his community and like going through life and the message being like, well, Forrest doesn't really worry about things and Forrest is kind to people and understanding and sure he's naive but like he's sincere and we need more of that if it was just that I think maybe it would be achieving it but it is put against this backdrop of a where's Waldo of American history that is very mired in controversy and very argued about you know Vietnam and the counterculture movement and all of these other things going on I think it's impossible for it to just be about Forrest worldview. Yes. And also, it also doesn't make Forrest worldview entirely a good one in that he is also relentlessly made fun of by a lot of people. Right. And the movie's kind of poking fun at him and he's the he's the butt of the joke a lot of the time. So Mm -hmm. It just almost just becomes like, well, what are you doing? Like, what are you? It just it, it completely loses any semblance of like a message. Unless, of course, there is one scene that I think is very important that we didn't touch upon, which is when he starts running. There's mm-hmm. a lot of people who start interviewing him and they're like, are you running for the environment? Are you running for women's rights? Are you running for this? And Forrest mm-hmm. 
has some sort of inner monologue or the narration. He says, I guess it just didn't make sense to these people that I would be doing this for no particular reason at all. Mm -hmm. And that almost feels like the mission statement of the movie. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Of like everyone going, well, are you doing it for this? Are you saying this? What are you saying? Are you saying this? And it's like, I'm not saying anything. (laughs) Right. So I guess if it was just about him. Yep. I would I would buy that 100 percent. Yes, but it's not. It's also it's about not. everything about in America. <laughs> and so it it doesn't work because yeah. you can't let go of, because we can't be like Forrest. Right. It's impossible. We can't, especially when you're showing us all of the wars and reminding us about our personal thoughts on the things. Yeah. So, OK, I, I don't think it works. <laughs> OK, so, so and, and we know that Citizen yeah. Kane mostly does what it's trying to do. Uh, I think it pretty does. well. Yeah, I, I yeah, I would say that again, I do think it's very interesting comparing these two films as like the stories of Americans, of American people. And on one side, you have the prolific kind of like gargantuan American, and then you have the everyday small town American. And I think Citizen Kane is doing a better job at presenting that kind of story than if if we're operating under the argument that Forrest Gump is trying to do the opposite of like, well, this is slice of life America put against the backdrop of the grand political landscape. I don't think it does a very good job of like championing small town America. No, because also, once again, this movie does end with Forrest Gump being a billionaire who never has to work again. Exactly. <laughs> who so also I think that is, who also was famous for like a million different things and no one ever seemed to and no, remember and, him. And when he's running, he's like a gardener from Alabama. They're like, it's what like, are you talking about? He's the, <laughs> the ping pong champion on the Olympic team. What are you talking about? He played about? football in college. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so one yeah. One point to Citizen Kane. One point to Citizen Kane. Technical and historical relevance. Okay. So this is where it gets interesting because yes. the one thing I will unironically champion this movie for is... Its use of visual effects is pretty groundbreaking. Like yeah. that, it was, it was it was surprising going back and visiting it how well the integration in historical footage works. The only thing that was drawing me out was the lip sync. The lip, the lip syncing of good. the presidents is really quite it's bad. Really bad, but everything else, like actually just looking at Tom Hanks in that scene, is pretty near flawless. It is. It 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 looks really great, which is a very Zemeckis thing. He was always totally. he's he's always very interested in technology and using it. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I think that that does really work. I don't know. I think I think I might defer this one to you cuz for me it feels like a 50-50 toss-up of like Citizen Kane is the granddaddy of every film technique ever put to screen. But Forrest Gump is a really like tight representation of what was going on in visual effects in the 1990s and how it has affected the cultural like cinematic landscape going. Yeah. Forward. And you, and you look at where we're at now with mm-hmm. that sort of thing. And that's, that's very true. I think maybe a way to, since I do agree that it's very 50, 50 looking at historical relevance, mm-hmm. it's a little tricky because citizen Kane came out at a time that's like almost pre pop culture in a way, at least pop culture, sure. how we understand it now. Yeah. Right. Whereas Forrest Gump comes out is like one of the biggest movies of the year wins a million Oscars mm-hmm. and therefore leaves a massive impact. Yeah. And really the true measure of their, of their historical relevance is that they were both parodied multiple times on the Simpsons. That's so, true. so it's, okay, so it's here's, <laughs> here's, here's a thought to maybe break the tie and also okay. give us a little bit more to talk about, which is I'm going to vote. We give it to Forrest Gump only because, and this is again, this is, you know, recency bias, but my parents and the random person on the street is going to understand a reference to Forrest Gump before they understand a reference to Citizen Kane. That is true. So I agree. Again, it might be arbitrary, but just because it, it puts one in one, I'm going to say I, we, I, we give it to Forrest Gump on that. Right. One. And like you said, it might just be because of like a, a recency bias. It might just be because, yeah. well, Forrest Gump came out like 30 years ago. Right. No idea. But I think that is as far as the argument for like historical impact, what the random person on the street knows about this could be a good you know, qualifier. It's a good qualifier in this 50, case, 50. just because I do think, but I do think, yeah, again, like you said, I think Citizen Kane would take a technical point. Yeah. But I think that Forrest, and and it did influence filmmaking historically, mm-hmm. but I think, I think Forrest Gump 
takes the point here. And again, if anyone disagrees, write in. I would love Please. to know I your opinion. I would love to know what people think. I do think it would be kind of fun to have a segment where we have people talk about the most recent. <laughs> I'd love that. <laughs> they write in their little opinions. You if, know, somebody, and, if somebody has something to say, we will write that into the show. Yes, absolutely. Okay, so I'll, yeah, I, I agree. Let's let's give okay, one so to let's give, let's it, give one right. to Forrest Gump. All right, so that's number one. And now for the real the real moment, Parker. Do you emotionally connect more with Forrest Gump or Citizen Kane? Well, good night, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. <laughs> uh, we liked uh, we made a show about this question, and then we hate answering the question <sighs> because I'm really concerned about what this means. I I genuinely think. Like, I was thinking about this question specifically ever since we watched the movie. Yeah. Forrest Gump has a scene that works for me. Like, mm. one moment where I'm like, okay, I buy this. Like, I yeah. like this performance. I like what's happening here. Citizen Kane is like, never reaches that one height, but it is consistently a little bit higher for me, I think, as far as engagement. Gotcha. Yeah. Like, it doesn't reach that one point. I never cry watching Citizen Kane. I'm bored by Citizen Kane. I'm angered by Forrest Gump when I watch most of it. I just, I don't enjoy it. Yeah, so what it sounds like is even though you might cry at the end of Forrest Gump, it's Mm -hmm. not enough to make up for the rest of the runtime which you spend angry. Exactly. Whereas Citizen Kane, you never cry, but you're never angry. Exactly. (laughs) At the movie. That is precisely where I land. So are you giving the point to Citizen Kane? For me personally, I am giving the point to Citizen Kane. What about you? I hadn't thought about this question once since I watched (laughs) Forrest Gump, which is why I'm so thrown off by it. And I'm kind of (sighs) pissed. Emotional resonance. Like, assuming that that means that the emotions that the movie wants me to feel. (laughs) Because Forrest Gump very much resonates with me emotionally in that I get very frustrated by it. I don't think that's quite the criteria we're going for. Citizen Kane at the end asks you to, if we're going with what we decided in our Vertigo episode, yes. which is that Citizen Kane at the end on some level is asking you to feel bad for Kane on mm-hmm. some level. It's asking you to consider, wow, doesn't it suck that that really all he wanted was that in the end? Right. That doesn't land for me. That emotion, that emotion never hits for me. No. And Forrest Gump. <laughs> no, there's no way. <laughs> I refuse. I refuse. I think I agree. Because Forrest Gump, Forrest Gump wants you to get emotionally invested in Forrest and Jenny's relationship. That's true. I that do not. wants you to do. I and do it, not. No, not once. The only thing I get emotionally invested in is when Forrest is a person and he says, and he, and he stands and up for himself. it is for one scene. And it is for one scene. Yeah. And maybe it's just because I refuse to say that Forrest Gump is... <laughs> Because I I desperately don't because also the movie expects you to believe that people on a bus sta- at a bus station would continue to listen to his story. Yeah, that anybody would actually care. At any point, someone would go, you're making this up. I'm leaving. I saw I saw a letterbox review, which was the biggest mood is the first lady who does not care what he's saying and immediately gets on the bus. Yes. <laughs> and that's me. I wouldn't st- if I wasn't sitting down to watch Forrest Gump. If I was supposed to be emotionally invested in this story, I am not. No. So, yeah, a point to Citizen Kane. I think Forrest Gump is not better than Citizen Kane. I don't think like that's the thing is like looking at our criteria. Some of it feels like a 50 50 crap toss. But when, but when I, I actually think about the question, if I actually step back and I go, is Forrest Gump better than Citizen Kane? No, not at all. I watch I watch Citizen. We didn't even talk about Citizen Kane is so much. Well, like it's incredibly well made. Absolutely. It looks fantastic. Mm-hmm. Forrest Gump is fine. It's fine. It's it's directed fine. It doesn't yes. blow me away. The, the, I don't think there was a scene that visually blew me away in Forrest Gump. Not one. And yet Citizen Kane consistently did blow me yes. away. I can't believe that I almost was like, I was, this is I was so difficult. Like, I was like leaning forward in my chair. I'm like, Max, are you are you actually? No, because this? if I step away, it is absolutely not. No. I, I wholeheartedly agree. It is not better than Citizen Kane. I hate Forrest Gump. <laughs> <laughs> I never want to watch it again. No, I, I think I think I'm good for. I derive no joy time. from watching Forrest Gump. 
And not, not saying that every movie has to give me joy, but the movie on some level wants me to feel joyous about it. Right. I do not. I do not. No. I, I don't feel comfortable with this relishing in American history that makes me feel sad and weird. Yeah. It's not a fun experience. OK, it's great. Not. Well, good. Well, good. I'm glad that All we right. reached what I thought we were going to reach. <laughs> Fantastic. Congrats. We made it. Folks. <sighs> we dodged that. We, All right. We now we now have one for and one against of better than and worse than Citizen Kane. Great. Which is exciting because now we're moving into uncharted territory going forward, aren't we, Max? That's true. We are. What are we watching next time, Max? We're watching The Hurt Locker. Which neither of us have seen. We have not seen it. And it'll be very interesting. Yeah. To experience that. It'll be fun. Because we, we deliberately chose these first two based around the idea that we we were pretty confident that one of them would land better and one of them would land worse. Yeah. And so I'm excited that our third episode is going to be, I have no idea. I have no clue going in where this is going to land for me on our metric of better or worse than Citizen Kane. Me neither. I have no, I have no idea. I've only seen like one clip from this and it's the clip of Jeremy Renner stepping and then an explosion yep. happens maybe. And that's all I've seen from this. That's all I've got as well. So this will be very interesting. I also, once again, just want to reiterate how interesting it was that, that Forrest Gump and Citizen Kane both are very interesting American films to look at. Mm-hmm. I just it I was is. very I was once again very surprised by that. Yeah, that I was I was quite I was quite intrigued by comparing these two movies. Yeah, as as, Ameri- as as specifically movies looking at America, like you said. Totally. So it'll be very interesting because I know next to nothing about the Hurt Locker. I also am in the same boat, so I think this will be good to go in blind, blank slate. Hurt Locker. The, I hardly, uh, I hardly want to make this joke. Yeah, good. <laughs> I changed, I changed it. It was a good, it was a better joke, maybe. Uh, All right, well, I didn't, have, I didn't that, have a clever joke about Forrest Gump. So no, I, that's I, that's fine. Clever being in quotes. Well, thank you everybody so much for listening. As always, we've been your hosts. Thank you so much for listening to Better Than Sincane, and we will catch you next time. Catch you next time.